Welcome to the Vital Dawn podcast for Friday, September 4th. S&P futures are up about 10 to 11 points. That's about 30 basis points. They are about 50 points off of the overnight low. So you saw initial selling last night and then a little bit earlier this morning. They've since rallied. So the futures are up about 10 to 11 points on an absolute basis, but 50 points off the lows. The major European indices are up about 20 to 30 basis points this morning. They are on track to finish the week not far from unchanged. So Europe is down just slightly on a week-to-date basis. Uh, there is a pro-cyclical bias in Europe. So autos, basic resources, banks are outperforming. Banks are getting an added boost. There is some chatter about consolidation within the Spanish banking industry. So that's helping banks. But in general, there is a pro-cyclical bias. The major year Asian indices ended lower across the board, although the declines were not as dramatic as what happened in the US yesterday um, by any means. So as far as news, fundamental developments overnight to talk about, um, you know, there is not really much to mention this morning. A lot of the big themes, the big kind of buckets of uh, macro topics, whether it's FOMC policy, U.S. fiscal policy, COVID, the election, et cetera, all of that is relatively static from where it stood yesterday at four o'clock. Um, you know, I know there's been a lot of effort um, to kind of concoct a fundamental narrative as to, you know, in terms of what happened yesterday, I just don't think there is one. You know, I think a lot of it has to do with technical psychology, et cetera. You had massive multiple expansion, especially in tech. You had a lot of overbought stocks. A lot of prices were extended. Um, and you just saw kind of tech, obviously, that, you know, that, can't, that cannot continue um, in perpetuity. Tech gave some of it back. You can certainly point to some um, fundamental reasons. Sienna had awful guidance. You had some disappointing earnings out of a couple of um, SMIDCAP software names, Wednesday night, you had China talking, uh, the article in Bloomberg about China ramping its own semiconductor industry. You have the DOJ talking about um, possibly filing its antitrust suit against Google within the next couple of days. So all those factors certainly, um, you know, provide an excuse. But, you know, it was almost it felt the tech price action was bound to happen soon, regardless of, of what was occurring kind of in the uh, fundamental landscape. Um, so I wrote a lot about yesterday and what happened and why it happened. Um, you know, I think a lot of people this morning are just wondering what it means. Most people seem to be of the mindset that it was an aberration. So if you recall back on June 11th, the S&P suffered an enormous decline um, that wound up being relatively, um, you know, isolated. And you saw kind of uh, a couple of days of sideways price action and then the rally um, continued. Most people assume that what we had yesterday was very similar to June 11th and that it was just kind of a, um, you know, a, a brief a brief pullback that will not um, inflict sustained damage on the market, and that um, you know the the rally will kind of uh, continue relatively soon. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a little bit less I, I'm a little bit less sanguine than that. Um, you know, uh, clearly, I think the market has entered into a new valuation realm. We had been at an 18 times ceiling for several years. Um, you know, over over the last several months, we've broken above that. We got up to a recent peak of about 21 and a half times. Um, you know, so. It seems very unlikely we'll go back to that 18 times ceiling, but we're still overbought. I think there's still too much complacency in the market. Um, I think there's still not enough appreciation for a lot of the risks that are on the horizon. I think there's still way too much emphasis on yields and multiples and that relationship, which I wrote about this morning, I've been writing about for the last couple of weeks. So for all those reasons, I think that, you know, I don't think it's going to be just a quick V-shaped rebound. And if anything, the price action this morning um, is not necessarily conducive to a sustainable floor. You'd want to see kind of another couple of days of selling at least to get people more anxious, to get more, uh, you know, to get more nervous sentiment in the marketplace that would help 
put in place a sustainable bottom. And, and thus far this morning, you're not seeing it. Like I said, most people seem to think that um, this was just kind of a very brief aberration that will be gone um, in a matter of days. So that's kind of the broader setup. Um, just as, you know, going back, circling back to news quickly, you had two big tech reports last night in Avago and DocuSign. Both of them were fine. Um, you know, DocuSign had very, very strong billings figures in the quarter. They raised guidance, Avago beat and also got it above the street. Management commentary in the call is relatively sanguine. Um, you know, Avago is obviously a huge player into the new iPhone ramp. They talked about how wireless is going to have, um, you know, a huge sequential increase. Um, none of that really is terribly surprising. Everyone knew that the iPhone cycle is coming. Um, you know, I don't think either are really going to provide reasons for people to dive right back into tech. I think if anything, people are more in the rotation camp. There's a lot of, um, you know, it's, it's, it's relatively a consensus view at the moment that you were going to see some type of rotation in stocks. Um, and that will obviously favor cyclicals and that will harm momentum growth stocks. Um, you know, again, I think I think I'm not necessarily in the camp that you are going to see just a sharp rotation. I think in the market as a whole um, is going to is going to see a period of digestion, which means flat to down overall. Um, but just for tech specifically, I don't think Avago and DocuSign are a reason for people to dive right back into tech and kind of recoup what you lost yesterday. Um, so those are the major news items as, as far as micro items from last night. No big micro news out of Europe or Asia overnight. Um, in terms of fundamental news, again, there's really not a whole lot to talk about. There is an article in China's Global Times, which is their kind of um, you know bellicose mouthpiece for the government about how China could possibly sell treasuries given tensions between the two countries. You know, we see those headlines periodically. We've seen them for years. Most people now are very dismissive of them as they should be. Uh, I think, you know, it's widely assumed that such an action is just not feasible, also would harm China as much, if not more, than it would harm the U.S. Um, so I don't think people are paying a lot of attention to that. You do see treasuries down a little bit this morning. Yields are higher. But again, I think that's just more as far as this whole rotation mindset, um, more than anything else, that there's real genuine concern around China. Uh, no big Fed headlines. You saw the last bunch of Fed speakers yesterday ahead of the quiet period before the September 16th meeting. Um a couple of officials gave clarity, color around kind of what they see as the new ceiling for inflation. You know, as the Fed pursues this average inflation target, they've been very vague as to how high they would they're willing to tolerate inflation going. You saw Bostic and Evans yesterday talk about that number is around two and two point four to two point five percent. You know, again, I don't think that's really all that critical in the near term. Um, you know, there still is some debate as to what actually will happen at that September 16th meeting. The market very much assumes that you're going to see some type of an enforcement action that the Fed adopts, um, you know, again, incremental action to back up its language on inflation and how they are very serious about the average inflation target. Um, you know, the uh, Fed officials have been relatively circumspect as far as kind of guaranteeing action on September 16th. Um, and given that it is kind of in a controversial period of time where Congress is trying to negotiate some type of fiscal stimulus, you're obviously just a couple of weeks from the election. Um, you know, it remains to be seen whether or not they announce some kind of shock and awe action on September 16th, but that's obviously coming up on the horizon. Um, still no movement on the fiscal front in Washington. Again, I think you have these three factions. You have Democrats at two plus trillion. You have the White House at 1.3 trillion. And then Senate Republicans are down at half, uh, half a trillion, $500 billion for stimulus. And again, I just think where things stand at the moment, unless you saw a real sharp deterioration in markets and or the economy, and I don't think Thursday counts yet, um, 
I think McConnell's of the mind that a big stimulus bill being passed before the election probably hurts him more than it helps him as far as retaining the Senate majority. And I, I think he'll be reluctant to um, you know, put such a bill to the floor for a vote. Um, you know, there's a lot of focus on the jobs today, the jobs report, uh, you know, the, it's very, I have a, I have a large preview in the piece today on the jobs report. Um, I don't think it's really going to be all that critical. Uh, you know, I don't think there's as much emphasis placed on these discrete economic numbers. The, the figures are obviously enormously fluid given the, um, just given how volatile the economy has been as a result of the pandemic. So the print estimate is north of 1 million. You know, you could miss that by a dramatic amount and still have a jobs report that's not, you know, quote unquote bad, similar to what you saw with ADP on Wednesday of this week, where it, you know, it was a large shortfall, but you're still, they still added a couple hundred thousand jobs in the month. Um, and I think today will be somewhat similar. So there is, there is somewhat of a, of a sense that, well, the Thursday market declined. And then if we get a weak jobs report today, well, that, that means that you're going to get fiscal stimulus um, before the election. And, you know, I'm not necessarily in that camp. I think you'd have to see a, a series of very weak economic numbers along with a much larger market decline to kind of um, to, to break the stalemate in Washington. Um, on the vaccine front, nothing all that new. Again, I think a lot of people assume that the FDA, for a variety of different reasons, including political pressure, will put um, the emergency youth use authorization label on one of the major candidates before the election. Um, Pfizer was out yesterday talking about how they'll know by the end of October whether or not their vaccine works. Um, and they're going to, you know, they're going to ask the, uh, the FDA immediately for um, approval on that vaccine. You know, I think the market is going to look more to underlying data than they are just that, that EUA label. Um, you know, I think the EUA label has been somewhat devalued over the last couple of weeks, given some controversial decisions. And the data, I think, will really kind of um, tell markets whether or not the vaccine is really going to be kind of a silver bullet or something that um, won't move the needle all that much. So those are kind of the major themes and trends. Um, jobs is really the only major catalyst for today. I have calendars for the next for next week and then a lot of the big kind of post-Labor Day um, catalysts as well. And that is everything for today. Thank you for listening.